Jesus, as we prepare our heart to hear from you, we want to ask that you would grant us your presence today, maybe in a little bit different way than most Sundays. We want to have a sense of your presence and your awe. We know sometimes we have made it blah. We have made it just blah, blah, blah. But in your presence, we sense who you are and we see who we really are. And today, Jesus, as we open up the scriptures, make them real. May we be able to see what is being taught and may we be able to sense in our hearts and our mind what it is you want to say to us individually. We're going to take the Lord's Supper today, Lord. We don't want it to just be just another Lord's Supper. We, we want it to be a special time when we sense your presence, how holy and reverent you are and how much of the fear of the Lord we, we should have towards you. May you help us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hopefully you got a little piece of candy when you were coming in today in honor of Jeff Joggins' birthday. Happy birthday, Jeff. How many other birthdays do we have in July? Raise your hand. July birthday. Boom, boom, boom. Oh my gosh, all kinds. Happy birthday to all of you today too. Happy birthday. Good to have you with us today. I've always enjoyed watching a father become a grandfather. Saw my own dad changing that, okay? You know, they're, they're strict. You know, you, your dad is strict, and he makes sure you eat, you eat all your vegetables, and you eat all this other stuff, but, you know, you do what's right, and then you have dessert. Right? You know, you, you, you get to that place, you know, and, and your dad is just like, you know, he, he wants you to have a good work ethic, so he's hard on you. And in everything that he's doing, he's working in you to make sure that you are the kind of child he wants you to be. And then all of a sudden, you have a child. And he's the softest one. All of a sudden, eating your vegetables is not that important. And when mom and dad aren't looking here, have a cupcake. Have a little bit of ice cream. You all are going to come out for ice cream Friday, right? If you love Jesus, you've got to have ice cream with us on Friday out at Lifeline. All of a sudden, you know, dads become granddads, and, and the things that they used to be so important, you know, uh, mom and dad start disciplining, right? And grandpa speaks up and says, aren't you being a little hard on him? And you just think, did he have an out-of-body experience? Is there a body snatch around or something, something change? My concern is that that's what has happened with God. And your notes, I have the, the God of the Old Testament. Most people think, and I talk to a lot of Christians, since Jesus has come, that that means that the God of the New Testament is different from the God of the Old Testament. And they'll re- reference many of the things, like you know, how, how harsh he was and how disciplinary he was, and all of a sudden now, that really isn't happening. And I only have, i got several passages of Scripture. I want to take a look at some of the big dogs of the Old Testament, but I want to take a look at 2 Corinthians 7, just verse 1. And verse, I'm sorry, chapter 6 ends with these great promises that are quoted from the Old Testament. I'll give them to you. You don't have them in your notes there. God says, I I will live among you and I will walk with you. The second promise, I will be your God and you'll be my people. The third promise, and I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and my daughters. And to that, most people would think now that Jesus has come, is kind of relaxed and we really don't need to be in all that much awe of God. We just kind of have a blah of God. Blah. 
And chapter 7 says, since we have those promises, look in your notes. Having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Let us cleanse ourselves because of these promises. The one place that we should be walking holy more than any other is the New Testament. Having had the Spirit of God poured on us, the sacrifice for our sins to cleanse our hearts. And we kind of just, oh, Jesus is my buddy. Cleansing ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. This past week at Bible study, we talked about the fear of God and that really you really can't have a holiness and walk in holiness if you don't have a fear of the Lord. It is that aspect that keeps us right and it keeps us understanding and knowing that there's a God of the Scriptures who has not changed. And we are to be in awe of Him. Something has happened, as best I can see, where grace is everything and God no longer to be feared. And yet, in the New Testament, this is exactly what we learn. I only shared one passage of Scripture with you. I wonder how many we would need. You know, in the book of Acts, God shows up and the place that they're in is like a violent wind comes. That's New Testament, everybody. Book of Acts, chapter 4. They're having a prayer meeting and the place where they're at, God shows up and the place is shaken. Saul, what is it, chapter 9, somewhere around there, Acts, we're still in the book of Acts. He gets knocked off of a donkey, and he's blinded for three days. Maybe not knocked off the donkey, that's kind of whatever, but he's blinded for three days. That's the God that we're in awe of in the New Testament. So I want to talk to you today a little bit about how and when and where we encounter God, where people have encountered him. And ask ourselves the question, have we encountered God? Have we gotten soft on who God is? Are we more irreverent than reverent of our God? Number one in your notes, I want to talk about the encounter of God on His territory. Number one, on God's territory. Pull out your notes, pull out your smartphone. You know, God's territory. You've probably been a part of something like this. Two, two families, two neighbors are living. Everybody knows and believes they know where the property line is. Only somehow or another to have it resurveyed for whatever it might be or whatever and find out it's two feet over on one person's property. And all the time you were on a piece of property you thought was yours is not yours. This is what happens to Moses from my perspective. Moses, we're in Exodus, the third chapter, verses 5 and 6 I only have there. God comes in the form of a burning bush on a piece of property in a huge piece of property where, where Moses is, is feeding the sheep. He, he's in charge of Jethro Tull's uh, uh, sheep. Jethro's his father-in-law. really wasn't Jethro Tull. I just threw that in. <laughs> he, he's, he's taking care. And he's taking these sheep all over the place. And I find it interesting. We never much think of Moses as a shepherd. But for 40 years, that's what he was doing. We think of David as a shepherd. He's taking them everywhere. And this place right here is a place that he had to have been before. He, you move the sheep and you feed them from all different places. Verse 5, do not come any closer, God says. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Moses couldn't approach God like it was any other day, even though it was on his property. He, he thought it was his, it was God's territory. He, 
ask yourself the question. He's out there tending the flock, and maybe you know this. He, he takes them to Horeb, and when, when it finally happens and he takes Israel back, this is the place, the same place where he strikes the rock, figuratively, Jesus Christ, and the water comes out. He's taking them back through where he had met God in a burning bush experience. Have you had an experience like that with Christ? On a place that maybe you thought was yours. Have you had a type of experience with God? Maybe it doesn't happen all the time, I understand that, but where you had to take off your, your shoes, where you had to take off the grime, because you are walking out there in the world, sometimes you pick up the dirt, you pick up the grime, where you had to say, no, this isn't my ground, this is God's ground, I will have to get cleaned up a little bit here. You ever been to that place where you saw God just the way he was, and you had to clean up? You had to take something off, because you couldn't approach him the way that you were. Does anybody remember who Moses' father is? Isn't it interesting that the Lord says to him, I'm the God of your father, Amram, and his, his mom, Jochebed. You know, one of the reasons, just so you know, theologians say that he says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, is so that everybody would know that God is not the God of the dead. Those guys are still living. He is the God of the living. And he says, I'm the God of your father. Now, what would Moses think? I'm the God of your father. His father had a pretty good reputation. His mom and his dad so did not fear the decree of of Pharaoh that they hid him for three months and then put him in a basket. Sent him out into the river, right? And the Bible says they had no fear. And, And Moses had a pretty good upbringing in the fact that he knew his mom and dad were and I love the fact that Pharaoh paid for his rent and his groceries. You know, somebody else had to pay for it, for the, God who would, for the guy who would finally come back and deliver him. God provides, and God provides, and God shows up, and here he is, and he shows up in a burning bush. And there is this reverence that Moses had where he has to hide his face. Have you ever seen God in a time, in a period, at a place where there is a reverence for him that you have sensed that wasn't there before? It comes and it goes. I understand that. Have you encountered a holy God? Maybe in your home, on your property. I know people had set a piece of their property aside. It was a time and a place of prayer. Nothing else took place there. Have you encountered a holy God in your church or maybe at the altar sometime? Or maybe you were outside and you were in a storm and you really saw who He was. Or maybe it was at the hospital for somebody or with somebody. Maybe you were at the Grand Canyon like we were, and people say, how can you not believe that there's a God? Have you encountered a holy God? Or has it just gotten to the place where it's blah? It's kind of irrelevant. Jesus is my buddy. I understand that side of it, but have we forgotten God is holy? I find it quite interesting if you read on that God says to Moses three things. He says, you know, I have seen the misery of my people. He says to him, I've heard them crying out to me. And he says, I've come down to rescue them. Great news. That's great news. Until verse 10. He says, now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now you go. Here's what I know about Christians in in the, the time I've been a Christian. When you see God, and when you see Him holy, and when you have that time with Him, there's almost always something attached to it to do for our holy God. Uh, he, he fought it 
like probably many of us do, when you've seen holy God, He, he gives us a purpose. He gives us a, a job. He gives us a calling. Or He shows us what our spiritual gifts are so we know what we're to do. When we see our God, we see ourselves as who we are and we know that there's a call in our life. How about you? Have you encountered a holy God and maybe put Him off like Moses has? To the place where He has to send His brother along with him, Aaron? Have you had a clear calling? Number two, God's holiness is on His territory. Sometimes we think it's ours. Number two, it's in God's temple. You know, that's what home field advantage is, right? Home field advantage is, you know, where we have the best locker rooms at our home, our home field advantage. We know the field well. We have the fans there. Home field advantage. Moses is on earth. King Uzziah dies, and all of a sudden, the heavens are opened up, and, and, uh, and Isaiah is there. Look at Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I don't know about you, but sometimes I like reading these different descriptions of a holy God. It helps me have a reverence for who he is. Isaiah, Ezekiel, book of Revelation. Seeing who God is. Hey, by the way, the book of Revelation is in the New Testament. Verse 2, above him were seraphim, each with six wings, each with... Two wings, they covered their face. Two, they covered their feet. Two, they were flying. How's that for a being? The seraphim, from what I've read, is the highest order of angelic being. And they're in the heaven. And they're in God's temple. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I am among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Now, when this passage of Scripture opens, it says the King Uzziah died. Just so you know, uh, he was 16 when he took over King, and he was a king for 52 years, I believe. 52 years, I remember to call. And one of the things they say about him is he, he ruled wonderfully. He, he's in Judah, he's the king, and he ruled wonderfully. And they, something what I read said that nobody had been like him since Solomon. And when it says here that in the year the king Uzziah died, it's just like, okay, now what? What's happened in your life? Everything's been constant. Everything's been good. Everything's been going along. And all of a sudden, something happened. Somebody quit. Somebody died. Somebody, what, what has happened in your life? That now you're thinking, oh my gosh, what's going to happen now? How's it going to be taken care of? Just so you know, this passage of Scripture ends by Isaiah seeing the king of kings on the throne. Just to know, everybody, no matter what's happened, no matter what Uzziah has died in my life or yours, or gone away or not there to lie anymore, the king of kings is still on the throne, right? When did the doorposts and the threshold shake? When the seraphim, the highest order, said, Holy, holy, holy is our Lord. Do we have a reverence for our God? Or has it just been a little bit of irreverence? Something's happened. All of this wonderful grace, supposedly, and grace has made it to the point where we can talk to God and treat Him like anybody. And there's no reverence and no fear of the Lord. Isaiah says, man, I got unclean lips. 
he, he, he discovers he sees God and he's realizing that his everyday talk didn't recognize that there was a holy God walking with him or around and with him. Is our conversation, is our talk, are our lips at a place where we don't even know that there is a holy God that we serve? Have we gotten a little bit too sarcastic? Is it so nice to tell that off-color joke that our lips don't realize it? But if you have gotten to the place, if you somehow or some way you get to the presence of a holy God and you see that, you say, man, that was not right. That was not appropriate. Have you entered the presence and seen yourself the way that Isaiah saw himself? A seraph flew to Isaiah and took one of the coals out of the altar, fire on the altar, and touched his lips. And he said... Your guilt is removed and your sin is forgiven. And Isaiah's story is a little bit different than Moses. You have verse 8 in your notes there. After he's cleansed up and ready and had his experience, two questions God asks is, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. If you've been in God's presence, he's probably asked you the same thing. Who's going to go for me? Who's going to sit in a pew week after week, kind of just irreverent, you know, just thinking I'll just come, and I'll come to church when it's convenient, and I'll serve when it's convenient, and I'll give what I determine. Nobody will tell me what to give. None of those Old Testament verses, that's for sure. Irreverence comes in, in several different forms. Who will go for us, and who am I sending I think one of the best programs we got going for us is Awana. It's cranking up in September. From the stats that I have seen, if a child goes through Awana, through the program, 97% of them still remain in the church. Now we need eight or nine adults, teenagers, who will step up and say, here am I, send me. Here am I, I'll serve. But lots of times what happens is in our minds we're thinking that's for somebody else but not me. We never even open to an awesome God, to an, a God that we are in awe of, to have him possibly speak to me. I hope there's more people that go to Marcia and say, I want to help with Awana, than she can use. You think God will not be Friday night at Lifeline Church, 7 o'clock, among the ice cream truck? Jesus loves ice cream. It's in the Bible. I got a bunch of tickets. I bought 50 for each one. I'm going to give them to every one of you, not for you, for you to invite somebody. I've been giving them out some Bible study, both churches. Tell you a story. What grade is Sophia in? Second grade. That means last year at the ice cream truck. I'm, I'm talking to this lady who I'd never seen before and, and the little boy she's with. And I said, how did you hear about it? How did you get here? And she says, I don't know. My, my, my grandson got these uh, tickets uh, at, at school. Only to find out that Sophia got two extra tickets and gave them to some boy, I believe, on the bus. And the boy said, I, I got tickets for ice cream, Grandma. Somebody's going to take me. <laughs> A lot of times we think, you know, I don't know if I want to go and do that. I get it. Things so overwhelm us, so many different choices. For me, I got the same situation sometimes. But if God speaks to you about coming to have ice cream with us, would you? It's not an ice cream cone. It's a cup. It's a cup of six different kinds of hard ice cream, all the toppings you want on it. 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Maybe he'll shake the ice cream truck. We'll all get free ice cream. God is holy. What are we going to do? Do we hear his voice? Are we bigger than Isaiah because Jesus has come? Are we irreverent towards our God because now Jesus is our buddy? Shouldn't we be in awe of a holy God like Isaiah? Or are we bigger than him? Number three. Holiness is always on God's terms. A holy God and who he is is not what I make up. It's not what I derive from the scriptures. It is according to what the scriptures teach. It's on his terms. Right? In God's territory, Moses finds, hey, that was, you thought that was your father-in-law's land. No, it's all mine. Isaiah in the temple, you didn't realize how you were being watched. We get into the book of Revelation. God is to be revered and honored as holy in the Old Testament and New Testament. We're called to be holy and to be like Him. The book of Revelation, chapter 2 and chapter 3, are written to, you may know this, churches. Jesus Christ sends an angel to the seven churches. And in the churches, they're not pagans. They're supposed Christians. And each one of them has something. You're probably familiar with this one. You, I only had enough room for the one phrase, and that's the most important one. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, right? To the angel in the church of Lifehouse, what would he write? Listen, what's here? These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. That's Jesus Christ. I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold nor hot. I, I wish you were one or the other. But because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I have acquired wealth and don't need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked Christians. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. White clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put in your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Every one of the seven churches is told that you must be an overcomer. And every church represents churches in that day, throughout the day. We're supposed to read these. We're supposed to examine ourselves. We're supposed to see, you know, to the church in Laodicea, to the church in Leroy. Jesus says, I know your deeds. Jesus knows my deeds and he knows your deeds. You may be able to hide it, whatever, but Jesus says, I I know your deeds. Just like Isaiah found out once he got into the presence of a holy God. We're going to take the Lord's Supper today and I just wonder, have we gotten to the place where it's just ho-hum, Lord's Supper all over again? Jesus says to the Christians in this church, maybe he says it here, you know, you say that you're rich. You say you have arrived. You say you're debt-free, whatever it might be. But you do not realize. And that's scary. A person here today, somebody doesn't realize that they're wretched, pitiful, poor, and blind. I counsel you. I'm not giving up on you. But you've got to turn around. You've got to repent. Come to me. I'm going to give you gold that's refined by the fire. These are works that truly are works of God. I'll give you white clothes, which is the righteousness of God. And I'll put salve on your eyes because you think you can see, but you're spiritually blind. You can't even see yourself. I noticed that uh, 
For the many times I've gone to McDonald's, they don't serve lukewarm coffee. It's either iced coffee or hot coffee. No lukewarm coffee on the menu. Be earnest and repent. I find great peace in finding that Isaiah was not afraid to repent. And it got written down so everybody can see it and read it. I find it refreshing that Nehemiah said, I have sinned. My people have sinned. Your people, my father, we have sinned against you. So that preachers and pastors cannot and have to be afraid to say, I have sinned. We cannot be. We have an advocate with the Father. None of us should be here. Our Christian walk, it is on God's terms. We do not set the terms. Without a biblical fear of who God is, we tend to stray towards lukewarmness, blind to His counsel and deaf to the heeding of His correction. I know, I've talked to many Christians who think it's different now because of Jesus. It is. I understand that. I get that. But I read through the New Testament and I see that God is a God of awe. And for those who get into His presence, they see themselves differently and almost always receive some type of a mission, some type of a calling, some type of a purpose. Uh, I have in your notes, what do you see? And I, I, I think to myself sometimes, you know, uh, I'm getting a little bit older there, but I think, you know, I could probably play hockey just about as well as I always did. In my mind, I can anyway. You put those skates on, you skate around the rink one time, you're like, whoo, man, oh, baby. You know, I, I look, I think to myself, you know, you're... You're not that fat. You're not that overweight. You're not, you're not that bad. I think, you know, my hair's not that gray. My hair's not falling out that bad, basically because it's behind me, and now you really can't see it. Honestly, I feel like this sometimes. Could you pop that graphic up for me? Pop that graphic up for me of the rock. There you go. I, I have biceps like that before I had two shoulder surgeries. Now I can't do a bicep hardly. Isn't that how we feel about ourselves sometimes? Some of them, oh yeah, I feel like the rock. Go ahead, you can take it off. I'm sick of looking at him. <laughs> when I look in the mirror, when I talk to somebody and I really know who I am, it's like getting in the presence of God. My wife yelled at me the other day for taking the washer out by myself. What are you doing that for by yourself? You've got two bad shoulders, you know. I said, an ant can move a rubber tree plant because he's got high hopes, you know, just... Somebody says to you, you know, you're not who you think you are. But then it's a God who loves us enough to give us a chance to see who we are, to get right. He comes and He counsels us. In your notes, the thing I want to say to you today, when we see God, we see our true selves. I don't want to... Father, as we close our service today, we just sometimes need to get back on center. Moses walked on holy ground and he had to take off his filthy sandals. And Isaiah was in your presence. And being in your presence, he saw that probably his conversation, his unclean lips didn't recognize he lived among a holy God. The book of Revelation is all full of you making things right. The book of Revelation opens by saying, There is a blessing to those who read that book aloud. The prophecy found in that book. I don't know that there's any other book that opens in chapter 1 and says, read it aloud. Maybe 
That's what we need to be in this week. Let your spirit have your way in our hearts, our lives, and our wills. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.